Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Guys, we have a great show today. I had the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Christian Northrup. She has been a friend of mine for a few years now, but I still get a bit starstruck when I get a chance to dive deep and chat with her because I remember getting home from school, running off the school bus, turning on the Oprah Winfrey show and seeing Dr. Christian Northrup just share her advice to millions of people in America. She has spent... 30 years on the front line of women's health, and now she really devotes her life to teaching women and men everything that can go right in their bodies and how to make this their daily reality. Her new book is called Dodging Energy Vampires, and she talks, you know, she has a history of talking about health, and this is health. Because when you have people who are draining your energy, who are bringing you down, It's hard to feel healthy, it's hard to have energy, it's hard to feel inspired. So we have a great conversation today about that. Our sponsor for this show is the Juve Light, that's J-O-O-V-V. I called these guys up myself. I asked them to be sponsors because I'm talking so much about them that I wanted to have them on the podcast. So the Juve Light is an infrared light. And this is new technology, but when you dig deep, you realize that there's been so much research going on for years and years about the benefits of red light therapy. It started off with spas, people using them to help reduce uh, wrinkles and scars, and the benefits are incredible. So the cl- this is clinically proven, this light that you put on and you stand in front of is clinically proven to improve skin clarity, tone, and texture. It increases testosterone in men. It reduces joint inflammation. So for those of you who struggle with fibromyalgia or arthritis, this is amazing. And it even fades scars and stretch marks. I had a scar on the top of my wrist from taking something out of the oven. I had it there for about three years. And once I started doing the Juve Light, it was incredible how this scar faded. Personally, I love it because I stand in front of it and I feel so good. My best friend Dee talks about how she's having the best sleep of her life after using this light. So you definitely want to learn more about red light therapy and everything that they're doing over at Juve. Again, that's J-O-O-V-V. And if you go to the website, you can go to J-O-O-V-V.shop forward slash the tapping solution and use the discount code tapping capitalize T-A-P-P-I-N-G, and you're going to receive $25 off your purchase. So again, it's juve, J-O-O-V-V dot shop forward slash The Tapping Solution. Check it out, and I hope you enjoy the show. Dr. Northrop, thank you for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I know that one of the, the things that you do with tapping is you help people restore their energy. But here's the thing. If every time they restore their energy, they're being inadvertently drained and they don't even know it because they're an empath, so they just don't know where they uh, end and another person begins, then you can tap 24-7 and it's not going to help you. So this I consider probably my most important book uh, that I've ever written. It's the shortest. 
because it took me a lifetime to figure this out, that there are, and I know this is going to bother many of you, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's my job on the planet. <laughs> there, there are people who do not want to get well. There are people who would much rather use your life energy than tap into their own source energy. And that's a soul agreement that they have, but you don't need to participate. In fact, please understand this. Your participation in allowing yourself to be drained keeps them stuck longer. So you're not helping them. You right. think you're helping them, and that's the big con. And, and I wanna back up a little bit because you wrote this book for empaths. And I don't know if everyone knows what an empath is. And you say right. empath, you say highly sensitive person. How do we know if we're in that category? An empath is somebody who gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. There are different kinds. There are what I call the, you know, just your everyday empath. They're compassionate, they feel things. Uh, they might, They might as a kid, have seen angels or see the spirits of animals or the divas around trees, that kind of thing. But they have a really good gut instinct. So they avoid energy vampires. Like, you know, they'll just say something's off with that person. And then, then there's the category of the old soul empath. And I put myself in that. We're the ones who've been to earth, oh, thousands and thousands of lifetimes. We've been the one we're drawn to metaphysical bookstores, tarot cards, crystals, um, all of that astrology. But we feel like we need to hide that. We, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, like it wasn't a big topic for me at the grand rounds of the hospital or at Dartmouth <laughs> Medical School. You keep that hidden because you've had the experience of being burned at the stake, pushed off the mountain, uh, criticized, um, uh, abandoned, punished over and over and over. And so therefore you don't speak your total truth in certain settings. Now, the other thing, there's another kind of empath, which is the, the empath with super traits. And this is the work of Sandra Brown, who wrote Women Who Love Psychopaths. These are women and men and men with super traits of resourcefulness, practicality, can do, optimism, loyalty. They are there for you and they have enormous amounts of uh, energy. They see the red flags, but here's, a pro here's the problem. You think, you really honestly believe that you can fix that person. You are good at, you run your own business, you're the CEO, you could be a federal judge, you could be running a whole medical department, maybe an entire division in the army. And so you see one of those fixer-uppers, you see, and this is like a double-edged sword, you see their potential. Oh, this is their potential. So much. Oh my God. In your book. Yeah, yeah you and see their potential and then you'll, then you'll drain yourself dry because here's what they'll do. This is important. They will give you just enough affirmation to keep you going. So you, so here's what you do. You take them to a therapy session or you go to a Hay House lecture or you go to yoga ashram and then you go, oh no, he, he gets it. He gets it or she gets it. They're going to change, but they don't. And, and what happens because they're so clever at keeping you hooked, you can have a relationship with these people that goes on 30, 30, 40 years before you wake up. And so one of the main things I wanted to get across in the book was to help people see what the pattern really was so that they get out earlier. Because here's the awful truth. Most of the energy vampires will just find another person. There was no real love there. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for so many people who've tried so hard for decades. And uh, oftentimes the energy vampire is a parent. 
So I had a woman on one of my webinars and she said, well, we moved my mother up from Florida and I knew it was a mistake. And, you know, now she's driving me nuts. And she told me her mother had been married seven times, which means that there's a trail of empty shells uh, that used to be men lying along the side of the road because they couldn't do right by her. So that's, I want people to understand this not in judgment, although let me just say this. There's a big difference between being judgmental and having good judgment. Because I've had people call, you know, yeah, I've had people call me out on Facebook. Oh, no, now you're labeling people and they're human, too. And they need love. And yep, yep. All that's true. So this is what's tricky about the empath. And I relate to this is that we tend to be the fixers and we are reluctant to give that to let go of that because we think well it means i have a big heart it means i care and part of us loves that that believing in other people and and uh, seeing their potential and so here's this thing where we can see the light but there's this dark side so, yeah, so when it comes to seeing the dark side when do we know that it's time to draw a line because we like to help people but how, how are there, are there any signs of like, oh, this yes. person is actually draining me to a level where this is not good for me? Well, first of all, what's the biggest sign? They visit you, you feel like you're going to fall asleep. Okay. You go out to lunch, you literally feel like you're going to fall asleep and dunk your head in your soup. And I have had that happen, okay? Where you just can't, and you're trying to stay awake. You're driving your fingernails into your palm. You're doing everything to stay awake. I have a story about that in the book. It was like, staggering to me. And a friend I was with, another empath, was having the exact same experience. I was doing everything in my, because this woman was like really well known, and I'm doing everything in my power to try to stay awake. I'm a guest in her home, and I, all I want to do is lie down on the mega duck bucks um, oriental carpet and just get unconscious. It's like the poppies in The Wizard of Oz. So there's that. You pay attention to your body. But there's another thing. And one of my obstetrician friends said this to one of her pregnant patients. She said, look, when I care more about your baby than you do, it's time for us to part ways. So are you carrying more of the load? Like, are you always the person who comes up with the resources, the, the supplements, the, the tapping script, the, um, the suggestions for where to go on vacation? Yes, we are. We're, we're like little... Um, puppies. Yes, yes, yes. You know, pick me, pick me. And by the way, we get targeted. We get targeted by energy vampires. They see this. They see that you're the ever ready bunny. They don't have to do anything. Now we have some energy vampires. Uh, This tends to be um, men who don't want to work. They're not necessarily charismatic. They're not all that good looking. They just don't want to work. And so they target women. You know what in Florida, they call it a nurse with a purse. Um, So there's that. Uh, But then there's the outright psychopaths who are charming, they're good looking, and they thrive on an entire entourage of people around them. And this is the subject of movies. I mean, we we see this in the movies. Um, We're at a time now with the revelations starting with Harvey Weinstein and the fact that the New York Times just won a Pulitzer Prize for that investigative reporting, where finally, for the first time in my entire career, Women are being believed about what's happened to them because we didn't dare say anything before. Why? Because of what Melanie Tanya Evans calls CRAP. This is an important acronym, 
CRAP. Melanie Tonya Evans runs a narcissistic abuse recovery program. So CRAP is we're afraid of and we feel it acutely as an empath. Um, we're not bulletproof. We're sensitive. Criticism, rejection, abandonment, punishment. You're afraid to say something or this is going to happen to you. So I look at my two and a half year old granddaughter. She doesn't like something I'm doing. You know what she says? Lulu, stop it. That's my grandmother's name. It's <laughs> my middle name. Very Lulu, direct. stop it. And we all laugh. We all laugh. Why? She hasn't been talked out of her gut yet. So yeah. the red flags are this. Here's another one. Your friends can't stand this person. And they tell you, you know, I don't think, and then you make excuses. Or your children don't like this person. Or, let's pay attention to this, animals and children don't like this person. If you're ever with someone and animals and children don't like them, pay attention. Yeah. I, <laughs> right. I want to go back to something that you said because uh, it was a discussion I was saying. Uh, I was I was speaking to a friend and I was telling her that if I hear one more person say, well, if this really happened, why didn't they talk about it 30 oh, years ago? Oh, I, I'm yeah. going, I just, I can't handle it because I think pe what people don't understand about finally being an empath and finally speaking out about something that's gone wrong is that if you didn't speak up 30 years ago, it's because it wasn't safe to speak up 30 years ago. Let me give you an example. Yeah. I'm a young OBGYN, right? Young, brand new, right out of the box. There weren't any other women in my profession, or there was maybe one every 200 people. And I was told that the women in Maine didn't want to see women doctors. So I was like, um, I was a big experiment. And I happened to know that one of the docs in my group was inappropriately touching women. Like one time, um, one of the nurses we had a system where you got a phone call as a nurse. And when the doctor was about to start the exam, the nurse came in to be a chaperone. She heard her phone ring. She picks it up. So she goes in because she thought, OK, he's doing an exam. She goes in. He's got his hands up under the exam robe, examining her breasts like this. That's not how you do a breast exam. She said she was horrified and ran out of there. Well, I knew that this sort of thing, we all knew that it was going on. My mother said to me, why don't you report him? I said, because he's president of the OBGYN Association for New England. He runs the entire office. He's politically active throughout New England. How far do you think I would get? I would have lost my job. And it wouldn't have made Someone a difference. And, and, and I never would have been able to go on and write Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and all the rest of my work. You, you've got to know what are the right battles. And this has been going on forever, forever in the macro, the macrocosmic world. Cause I was just thinking about this. I was watching uh, Stephen Greer's amazing documentary unacknowledged because that's the abuse has been unacknowledged. His particular thing is the military industrial complex and how all this incredible Pentagon spending has no oversight because it's all done by the the dark government, and even the president doesn't know, and he spent a lifetime, he's an ER doc, by the way, he spent a lifetime documenting this in what he calls his disclosure project. General after general, um, person after person is told that if they tell anything about the UFOs that they have seen, their family will be killed, there's a bullet waiting for them. This uh, cover-up has been going on for decades. Why? Why? This is important. Because the technology for free energy, so none of us would have to work like we do. 
has been known for a hundred years. And the dark forces have wanted to keep us enslaved. Now, I understand you don't want to hear this. I know you don't want to hear this, but that's the macro cosmic level. So whether it is um, you being scared for your life because you saw something that someone else didn't want you to see, or you've got a narcissistic, abusive father, it's the same thing. They feed on your fear. They feed on your goodwill. They feed on your not wanting to make waves. And so I finally, after a lifetime of being trying to fit in, trying to be the good girl, trying to work well within my profession, I finally said, I'm done. This is because at any given moment, by the way, 30% of a primary care doctor's practice is energy vampires. Help me, you can't. Help me, you can't. Thank God I found you. No one else can help me. They're not there to get well. And I learned the lesson mm -hmm. in, in a very painful way. I finally had a patient. I was trying to milk her along, milk her along to prevent a hysterectomy. And finally, and I was way out on a limb, like way past what my own profession would have um, granted as reasonable because I wanted to help her save her uterus. And then one day she bled like mad over a weekend lost four units of blood. I mean, it was so scary. And I went in, she's in her hospital bed. I said, look, um, if you want to leave, that's okay. But if you leave, I can no longer be your doctor. I'm, I simply cannot. It's too dangerous for you, too dangerous for me. She consented to a hysterectomy and then she gets home. Oh, and I did it while she was awake so that she could talk to me, so I could take her through it. You know, infinite compassion, all of that. Three weeks later, she sends me a letter that says the surgery felt like a rape. So there you go. That, that's borderline personality disorder. I couldn't do right by her because right. all she really I, wanted was attention. And I think, um, unfortunately, we have people in our lives that we can't do right by. It's like we try and we try and we give them so much. And that's also why we feel drained because our energy and what we're able to give never seems like it's quite enough. It's like this void that's never filled. That's correct. But the challenge is sometimes these people are our boss, our own yeah. mothers or fathers, yeah. people in our family. So obviously there's moments when I think the point of having this conversation is being able to see the red flag and go, all right, well, I need to move away from that. How do we protect our energy when it's someone that we feel kind of stuck with? Yeah, if you're stuck with them, it's okay. Um, but what you have to do is understand that real love, real love, real compassion is toxic to a toxic person. So generally, you'll be able to titrate how much of your actual love they can stand. And here's how you know. Let's say that you choose, you're going to go out to dinner together, you're going to go to a movie. And, you know, and I'm not saying these people aren't fun and charismatic and, uh, you know, all of that. They very often are very, very delightful um, charmeleons, they've been called. So I want people to pay attention to charm alarm. They give gifts. They're thoughtful, they remember names, all of it is for what's called narcissistic supply. But let's say that you choose an activity that you know works for both of you. So you're going to go to an art museum and you just set your timer or look at your watch or your iPhone and just notice how many minutes go by before they take the conversation south into negative, into negativity. That's going to give you, you're going to titrate milligrams of love. Dr. Mario Martinez calls it guardians of the heart. 
you guard your own heart because they're going to go, if they go toxic and you're still giving, trying to uplift them, because that's what they do. They're very often very, very negative people and nothing changes. Um, I have friends from the past who are complaining about the same things in their relationships that they complained about 20 years ago. It's unbelievable. And, and they call me, used to, I don't take the calls anymore, for my advice, which means they feel better because we empaths are sources of light. We're like air purifiers. They feel better. They're, you're down a pint, they're up a pint, but nothing ever changes. So that's another way that you uh, recognize them. If they're constantly negative and the conversation never changes, no matter what you say, if they never take your advice, if nothing ever changes, when in, basically it's this, you're giving 90%, they're giving 10%, and you think you have a partnership. Now, what does it come from? And this is important. Empaths have inner childhood wounds, oftentimes, where we're trying to fill a need in ourselves to be loved and accepted. And let's be clear, energy vampires have been running the medical system, big pharma, the government, uh, the movie industry. These people are very charismatic and they're very good at what uh, getting other people to do their work. So we think that our job is to get them to like us. And then we think, oh my God, he chose me, he likes me. It's exactly the opposite. You've got to do the work of coming home to yourself, healing that inner child, um, putting a strong boundary around yourself so that you're no longer vulnerable to this. And that's our job. How does a boundary manifest? How do you know when you have a healthy boundary with a, uh, an energy vampire that is going to be someone that can be part of your life? They're just around, whether it's, like I said, like a parent or a boss. Oh, you know immediately when they ask you to do something and your first response is no, but you override it. So I want everyone listening to practice this. You're asked to do something. Okay, so let's say that you have a beautiful weekend coming up. You've planned its yoga retreat and then your frenemy says, I have to move. Can you bring the truck? Can you help me move? And, the, and, and then remember, they hook empaths with a sob story. Oh my God, you're the only one who can help me. Thank God you're around. You understand me. No one else understands me. Uh, the rest of my family is sick. Um, God, if you can't do it, I don't know when I'm going to get it done, but you already have something great that you've planned for yourself. Okay. Your first instinct is, wait, I don't want to do that. But you say yes anyway. So you have to practice. That's the worst one. I, I've had to work on this. The yes would just slip out of my mouth. Yes. Like I would just yes, and then I tried to take it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you practice, you know, practice in the mirror, practice anywhere with I simply can't or it's not possible. Yeah. I simply can't or it's not possible. For whatever reason, that's easier than saying no. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, and another transition, this I learned from Cheryl Richardson, is just saying, let me get back to you. That's good too. Because then you have a second to figure out whether you really want to or not. Sometimes we're just put on the spot. And the truth is, we don't know how we, how we feel. It's like we just go to the automatic yes without checking in. Now, here's the other thing. If someone says no to you, you're fine with it. Yeah, yeah I get it. If someone says no to them, they're going to do a character assassination on you. 
Well, I can't believe that you wouldn't do this for me after all I've done for you. See, I've had to learn this because I almost have PTSD around relationships. So, well, you know, now I'm only surrounded by people who I can tell the truth to. But for years, oh my God, I mean, I was used and I used to do consultations for some of my friends. Um, this was like, you know, Hollywood people. That's where I learned about the celebrity culture. On Saturday nights, they'd call with medical problems. And I was so interested in being acknowledged because I was an outlier, you see, in my own profession. So I wanted to be accepted somewhere. So I would really overgive in in an awful, awful way. Right. And yeah. what I found really interesting is in your book, um, I wrote down this quote, you wrote, our immune system won't let us get, get away by bypassing our more are more difficult emotions if we want to remain healthy. And so another sign that there might be an energetic vampire is that you you literally manifest health problems, the back problems, the headaches. Can you tell us a bit about how you've seen that show up in people's lives? Well, I'll tell you where it's really shown up. Uh, it's the people with the so-called mystery illnesses. So uh, autoimmune disorders, which are not the immune system attacking you, which I learned from Anthony William. I've always been grateful for that insight. It's cellular inflammation. It's usually an Epstein-Barr virus deep in the tissue. But why were you susceptible to that since they're everywhere, anywhere, you know, anyway? Like, I'm not worried about the flu. I'm not worried about Epstein-Barr. I'm not worried about any of that because my immune system functions. So what the what these illnesses are, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, adrenal fatigue, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, lupus, sarcoidosis, the so-called autoimmune diseases. And in fact, um, Sandra Brown says that 75% of the women at her retreats have uh, autoimmune disorders. 75, that's crazy. Yeah, but you know, that, think about the macrocosm. So we have we have forces that have not been so friendly to women, the feminine, nurturing planet Earth, right? So we have GMOs and we got big egg and we've got, you know, the microbiome has been messed up and, uh, you know, all the rest of it. So that's the macrocosm that isn't pro-life, as it were. And then we have the, the microcosm, which is the individual person who's being drained dry. I mean, we've, we've drained dry the planetary resources and we're draining dry the individual resources. But the, the solution is the same in both cases. The solution is, I simply can't, line in the sand, not doing any anymore. I see how you're operating and I'm not participating. Then I learned this this morning from uh, Robert Fritchie, who teaches divine love. And he used to go around with Marcel Vogel, who had 100 patents in crystal technology from IBM. We're talking hardcore scientist. They'd go around to teach divine love, how to use it to heal yourself, the most powerful energy on the planet. He said there would be people sending negative energy to Marcel, negative people who didn't want that information out there. Bob said Marcel invited him because he knew how to read energy. He'd see the negative people doing the psychic attacks and he'd send divine love to the negative person. You, here's how you do it. Okay, this is like a simple, powerful technique because you aren't divine love. It's the higher self of you coming through your human body. So you just say, I send divine love to, and you can send a name, and then you take a breath in, and you pulse it out through your nose to energize it. Send divine love. You can even do it with your hand. I send divine love to you. He said they would invariably leave because, again, 
the energy of divine love, God's love is very potent energy. And if someone is really, really dark, it is irritating to them. Right. So think of it. That's how you heal with love. But that's real love. That's not that sipply, sacky, you know, lifetime television for women where you just keep, you know, giving to him until he finally comes around, which doesn't happen except in the movies. <laughs> do, do energy vampires know that they're energy vampires? No. The only people who worry that they may be energy vampires are empaths. Okay. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really good point. So if you're nervous about being an energy vampire, you're probably not. You're probably an empath just going through a tough time. But let me just say something that's important for empaths. We have a hard time accepting help. Yeah. So here's what we do. I, I tell people 180 degrees from abnormal is not normal. Just because they're the ones who get all the help and support, as Sandra Brown said, the universe is strangely tilted in their favor, just because they get all the support. Uh, you, what you say is, well, I don't want to be like such and such. So you don't accept any support. That isn't healthy or normal either. So you have to, you have to learn how to ask for help and receive help. But you've got this aversion um, because you don't want to appear needy. God forbid you should appear needy. No, we have actual needs. All humans have legitimate needs. And it's okay to ask to get your needs met. Right. I think yeah. what's so interesting about this book is that when you can begin to see the pattern of an energy vampire and also the pattern of an empath, you stop to take things so personally. Instead of feeling like alone, like you're struggling, once you see the pattern, you're able to say, all right, I'm going to say no to this person and not because I'm a bad person, but because I see this pattern. It's It just is so less personal, which I think yeah, is actually isn't... helpful with moving yeah. past it. Yeah, because I mean, that's the whole thing about an empath. We are, we take things very personally. We really want to uplift the whole world. And uh, one empath healer said to me as a little kid, her feeling was, oh my God, please feel better so that I don't have to suffer. You're literally feeling the suffering of the whole world in a way. Right. And it feels terrible. So you need to understand what your body is doing. And this is the, you know, the last section of the book, what your body's really doing is it is transmuting alchemically the darkness of the world. That's what you came to do. You don't need to start an institute. You don't need to do this huge thing. Let me tell you another way, though, that energy vampires work. They make you doubt yourself. Oh, I don't think you're on your path. By this time, you should have da-da-da-da-da-da. And so the um, in, in the uh, Netflix documentary that's currently popular, Wild Wild Country, about the Rajneesh movement in Oregon, uh, there's a most touching monologue at the end where a woman who had tried to poison Rajneesh's doctor and had been sort of taken in, she talks about the fact that, because uh, here's how it works. With Sorry, who is he? I don't, know, I don't know who he is. Oh, Rajneesh was uh, Osho. And this guy ran a cult in Oregon because he was, um, they kicked him out of India. And he still has a big worldwide following. So people make excuses still for this guy. Why? Because like with every uh, uber energy vampire, there's always a grain of truth in their teaching. I mean, he's talking about the Hindu and Buddhist teachings of all times. But he had 94 Rolls Royces and, you know, and a whole collection of Rolex watches and, you know, and, and literally had people killing for him. Um, it's a beautiful example of psychopathy, a, a true psychopath. Uh, so if you want to watch that. But here's what she said. She's taken in and most of the devotees were and still are 
um, white, upper-class, college-educated people who gave him all of their worldly goods. And then he skips town, which is very common. You know, they get all of the stuff, and then you're left with nothing. But she said she was waiting for the moment of enlightenment, because here's the con, here's the hook. You're told if you do this meditation or you do this sexual stuff, they had a lot of that going on. You're, everyone was having sex with everyone else, boys and boys and girls and girls and uh, everybody. Um, but if you do this, you will reach enlightenment. See, so that's the goal. So what she was so worried about is that she had quit just before reaching the goal. Now I can relate because I played my harp for Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in a baseball cage in the 70s after college. I had my parents bring my harp and I even have a drawing of it. And here's what I was taught in the 70s. If you meditate, transcendental meditation, twice a day for seven years, you will be in cosmic consciousness. Now, I've gone through medical school. I'm, I'm in a surgical training. I'm disciplined like on steroids. You tell me that that's going to happen. I am not missing a meditation for seven years. No matter if I was in a cab, in a plane, I meditated twice a day, 20 minutes for seven years. And at the end of it, I was in an OBGYN residency. I was not in cosmic consciousness. And in fact, when I would get in that deep state that you get in with meditation, very deep state, and my beeper would go off and I'd have to go do an emergency delivery or something, coming up out of that deeply relaxed state to do the emergency, I knew was causing me more damage than it was doing any good. And I realized yeah. that was a con. That was a con. And, so, I, and I see how it's tricky because there's like there's a grain of truth there. So there's there research that shows that meditation is great. And so you can see that and say, okay, but then they're able to use that bit of truth to manipulate and and keep you coming back. Well, let me give you another grain of truth that I just learned from Karen Brody, who uh, who teaches yoga nidra, which is rest yoga. Mm -hmm. And she has a program called Daring to Rest. And she has a 40-day program. She said at the end of the 40 days, a high number of women file for divorce because they are rested enough. And this is what I want to say to people. When you are rested enough and you're not going on stress hormones, you're not going on fight or flight, you're, you're restoring through meditation, through rest, through nutrition, you're restoring your health. Then finally, you can begin to see clearly and you're no longer willing to sacrifice yourself for the good of others. Because here's the thing, you count. You are, in the words of Mary Oliver, you finally save the only life you can save. And that's the whole point of the whole thing. But you're gonna be so worried that you're selfish when you finally state a need. So you have to learn to do it objectively you've got to do all the work of coming home to yourself and you have to remove the receptor sites for the energy vampires and then they literally will leave your life and you'll find your life is more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible you talk about being loyal to yourself what does that yeah. really mean what it really means is when you're given an opportunity to do x y and z and that by the way that includes some really good stuff I mean, you know, like what if what if I just got uh, a chance to have my own TV talk show or or one of those things? I happen to know what goes into that. 
And I'm at a stage in my life now where an evening spent on the biomat watching Netflix is kind of wonderful yeah. because it took me so freaking long to love my own company and not feel empty. I'm a, I'm a Libra sun, four planets in Libra with North Node in Aries. So it's, it's not like, it, it's like all of my past is I want a white picket fence and a house and dogs and children and a husband. And that's what I want. And my soul said, oh, honey, no, no, no. You've done that so many times. If you even tried to do it, it would turn to shit. Sorry, you're not doing that. Instead, I've had to be this warrior of, you know, of truth, kind of telling the truth. But now nothing's missing in my life. Nothing is missing. It's like, um, but the beauty of having these desi these unmet desires, that's the fuel that burns off the karma and gets you where you need to go. You just have to meet, you have to meet that, not with the idea that something's missing or wrong with you, but that it is an inner child who needs your healing. And when you spend time with the unhealed part of you, you grow that child up and then you've got an adult and then all your desires, as Tosha Silver says, they become preferences. They're not, oh my God, I will die if I don't have a baby or if I don't get married or if I don't re meet the right man or if I don't get this job, I will die. No, you get to a point where if this happens, great. If it doesn't happen, that's okay too. Would I have preferred that? Yes. But I know that I have the capacity as a soul tapped into source energy. I have the capacity to create the life of my dreams through my partnership with the, my divine self that's on the other side of the bale and not in a human body. Being human is incredibly difficult. So I want people to know that. It's, 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 um, it's very... Um, yeah, this is very interesting. This is from um, Leo Gallen's book, Already Here, a channeled book from his son who died at age 21. And he says, I like to write about pain because it's real, he replied earnestly. You know, Dad, when you're born, you're like a lump of clay. Pain is the knife that shapes you. It makes you who you are. And I think uh, what I've done in, in the vampire book, my very first acknowledgement was to all the energy vampires in my life because they made me who I am. They were the crucible that burned off all the weakness, all the fear, and you know made me the woman I am today, which is exciting. Yeah. You say something um, so interesting, which I've been having a lot of thoughts about recently, which is this this idea that when it comes to goals, you get to the point where if the goal happens, great. But if it doesn't happen, also great. And I and I remember a time specifically um, when I was living in New York City years ago, and a friend had told me that she was invited by Heidi Klum to go to the fashion runway, or was it fashion runway, whatever, her, her big TV show um, yeah. for the finale, and she was in the crowd. And I was like, how do you, like, that's incredible. How do you do that? And she's like, you know... It just happens. If you live in New York, you'll start talking to people and uh, you'll start to meet like these celebrities. And 
this sounds like a silly example, but just stay with me here. Um, so I had this idea that like, oh, well, once these celebrities or once these certain people know about tabbing, like then my life is going to be made and I'll be super happy. Like right. then, I'll, you know, and then it gets to the point as you begin to grow and evolve that when there are those moments that you get that phone call from a celebrity, it's like you don't really even care anymore. You're like, OK, well, this is another person I have to work with. And it's so interesting because so often these goals that I reach, I reach them from a place of peace like they're not they don't feel so like big anymore and well, I wonder if that's part of the process of like being in that energy. Well it is and it's you you've pointed to something that it's the reason why the vast majority of lottery winners don't keep the money. And the reason is they haven't they haven't created a solid container for that kind of abundance. So therefore, it's, you know, it's like on the Oprah show, remember when she'd have my favorite things or she'd have the keys to the car underneath the seat and everyone would go absolutely batshit. Remember? I mean, it was like, oh my God, right? Okay. That's because where they were vibrating and then getting that car was, that was a huge um, energy differential. With you though, the reason the celebrities are calling is that you've already reached that level and then they're here and it's the same level. And then you realize, this is a great realization, a celebrity is really no different from anyone else. They have the same needs. They have the same, it doesn't matter if they're thin and it doesn't matter. They have the same humanity as everybody else. And But there is a culture of celebrity, which I have found, where they expect to get everything for free. Because they're often given everything for free because our culture runs on this crazy, you know, people have said to me, well, you know, can you get a celebrity endorsement? It's like, if I could, I wouldn't feel comfortable even asking for it. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, So I love what you're saying because it means that you raised your vibration to the point where that was not. Um, but, it, but it is a milestone. I mean, it is, it is a point on the graph where but you had a I guess celebrity come. When it feels right, that's the difference. When it feels like shocking and yeah. big, it's usually because you don't have the container. And so you don't. And so what we're really going for, and, and as I'm ta- I'm kind of figuring this out as we go, but it, it seems like what we're going for is to find a place where we feel comfortable receiving when it feels aligned with where we are. So as we grow emotionally and energetically, as we create boundaries and feel more empowered, suddenly those goals just feel more natural. They don't feel like a massive leap. That's right. And then the other thing, because you've been, you're an empath, I'm an empath which means we've done an, a lot of work on yeah. ourselves, a lot of work on receiving. I mean, I met you in that apartment in New York, you know, and the two of us went to Paris and, you know, I mean, so we, we go way back. So I've seen the trajectory of calling in more energy and calling in your higher good and then being open to receiving it. I mean, like even the way you met your husband was, it was pure magic, but it came from you doing a couple things that most people won't do. You had to get out of your comfort zone and you had to do a little vision quest on your own where you said, you know, to your higher power in the universe, hey, here's what I know. I want this and I know that if I stay here, it's like my daughter was living in New York City in Chelsea in an apartment and she realized she wanted to 
meet a man, move to Maine and have babies. And then one day she wakes up, Saturn return, age 28, and she goes, wait a minute, what am I doing in New York? wanting to meet a man and move back to Maine to have babies. The men in New York are here to be in New York. And so she sold the apartment, packed up, went across the country in a Prius to teach women about financial literacy. And of course, when she's given the whole thing up, meets the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I often hear people say like, oh, but I did this, this and that, and it hasn't happened. And my thought is, well, you just keep doing, you just keep doing the work. That's the path. Like I didn't just, um, you know, I, I feel like I worked really hard to find my husband, like as in I've just I was always doing the rituals, looking at my own blocks. Like I looked at it as a path, not like, can you just give me the formula and I'll do A and B to get that, C? You still. Well, here's what you have to do. You have to create you have to become a vibrational match for what it is you seek. And here's the thing. You are never going to become a vibrational match. If you are draining your life energy toward the one in five individuals who is cluster B, everyone can Google cluster B. It's a psychiatric term. But let's be clear. What is cluster B? What is an energy vampire? It's a person with a character disorder. They don't do the right thing. (laughs) Now, there's a spectrum like autism. So they might have a few narcissistic traits. You can live with that. Those are the ones you can go to therapy with and keep your marriage together. And then on the far end are the right uh, outright psychopaths with no conscience. That's one in 25 people, which means there's 100,000 of them in New York City alone. They travel under the radar and they're usually not involved with the criminal justice system. The empaths date them in New York City often. Exactly right. And at this point, when you get good at this, you can pick them out. You can pick them out. So at this point in my life, if someone is really charming and really good looking and comes up to me and tells me, you know, that I'm all that in a bag of chips, I run. (laughs) So I like it. It's, It's about seeing, you know, really what you teach in the book is when we can begin to see the red flags, then yeah. we don't have to go all the way down that path and then suffer getting out. We can really kind of avoid uh, that that crash. Yeah. Now, I want to say for those of you, because, you know, as you're listening to me and Jess, I know you have names going through your head and you're going, oh, God, <laughs> because it means you're going to have to change something. See, our well-worn path, the path of insanity, but it still feels comfortable, is God, if I just get him to one more course, or if he just reads this, or if we just go on this together, he will wake up. So you're constantly bringing in resources to get them to change. Change is an inner job. You will do whatever it takes to change. I've seen you. I will do whatever it takes to change me. I'm not waiting for change to come down the driveway and do it for me. They are. And what happens as they get older, there's a phrase, narcissists don't age well. And so oftentimes the, um, the defenses of youth, when they were really very, very charming in youth, go away. So you're left with who's really there. So let me just say, if you have a parent like this, the strategy is you become a gray rock. You do, uh, I talked to, to a friend whose father is uh, one of these, and she said, I still call him twice a month. Not because it's ever satisfying, but because I could not live with myself if I didn't. Now, that's important. You figure out for you what you can live with, but don't give it any more energy other than that. 
I love that. I love that. I, so I have two quick questions, which I like to ask everyone at the end of my shows. Um, okay. The first one is, what is something that when it happened at the time, it was horrible and then ended up becoming a big blessing? Oh, in my own life? So many. So, <laughs> so, so, so many. But, but let me just give you an example. So when uh, Chiron went into Pisces, which was in 2010, it was the entry Chiron's the wounded healer planet. It went into Pisces. The shadow of Pisces is martyrdom and self-sacrifice. At that time, 2010, I was desperately in love with a man and I realized he wasn't stepping up and I had to finally leave the relationship. It killed me. I remember doing a full moon in Scorpio ritual in my yard, burying something, burning a picture of him. It just, it was like, made me want to throw up. I was so devastated because I loved him. He's a friend now, so I can still love him and it's nice, but that's relatively recent. So that work, that whole work of going to Buenos Aires, meeting you, having the goddess necklace snatched off my neck, um, being so worried about growing older and I was going to be obsolete and I'd never be loved again and all of that, all of that. Eight years of going down into the underworld of Kali and surrendering my life to that and saying, it, I just will not let it be uh, that I'm now at this age and it's the end for me. And by God, I have come out on the other end happier, um, healthier, more flexible, taller. And, you know, also for your listeners having the best sex of my life, which is actually what I was teaching for years. But that was like a that was like um, an affirmation. It's like I knew the stuff. I knew the data, but I, I wasn't in the laboratory yet. Right. I, I didn't. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, what I want to say is it's all everything that I have thought was possible is not only possible, it's beyond that. And I want everyone to get it. So they step out of the, the cultural portals of what you think is available to you. And, and it's all just about belief and what you're open to receiving. But you your job is to work on that, that inner child and see what an empowered empath is like. Then we are unstoppable. I we love. we're unstoppable. Yeah. I love that. You trust and, yourself. And yes, I'll say again, we actually, sometimes I forget, but we did meet in Argentina, which yes, is so crazy. <laughs> On that fateful trip. It's so perfect. Yeah. It we both so happened perfect. to be there at the same time and, and we met up and that was the beginning of our, of our friendship. <laughs> so um, and so my, my last question, it's a, it's a, a silly one, but I find it fun. If you could be any animal, what would you be and why? A hummingbird. I would be a hummingbird. That was quick. And uh, yeah, it's quick because I've thought about this. <laughs> and when I was just in Chile with Alberto Villodo, um, there are hummingbirds everywhere. And I realized that, and he talked about the four levels of creation. So there's the serpent, the jaguar, the hummingbird, and the eagle. And the hummingbird goes around. It's actually a very fierce bird, but its job is to find the nectar of life and the uh, layer of reality that it inhabits is music and poetry. And I started to play the harp again. And, uh, you know, I put a natural swimming pool in my backyard and just got a wrought iron gate made for it with hummingbirds 
um, in it. And uh, so I'm the hummingbird from now on. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for your honesty and this amazing book. So again, the book is called Dodging Energy Vampires, an empath's guide to evading relationships that drain you and restoring your health and power. You can buy it anywhere books are sold. Um, you can grab a copy right now on Amazon. We'll include a link here. And uh, Dr. Northrup, thank you again. Thank you. My pleasure, Jeff. Great.